0: Welcome to Because I Said So, a podcast where we amplify youth voices and use age to better understand the world around us. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find us. It really, really helps others find this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, we're back. Once again, Allie, do you want to introduce yourself? At this point, I feel like they hopefully know you. Yeah,
1: if you don't know me by now, I don't think you ever will. Is that from a movie?
0: I think that's like M... No, I'm not even going to try to say that's Eminem because I don't think it is.
1: <laughs> but, I don't know. It's from something, but I'm Allie. You guys should know me. You don't. My but beloved,
0: my dear friend. And today, we're going to be talking about something that relates to something that Allie saw recently. It has been... The Impetus was a Broadway show that Allie saw. And I'm going to go ahead and just send it off to you. <laughs> send it off to you because I I feel like I'm skirting around the topic. So go ahead. <laughs>
1: um, so basically, I went to go see Book of Mormon this past weekend. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, there's going to be spoilers for that. So, like, hopefully you're okay with that um but I went to go see Book of Mormon last weekend here in New York and the performers did a fantastic job like I think that it was very funny in some aspects and you know well sung well danced whatever however um I think there were pieces of it that just felt kind of outdated and sensitive um and so to recap the story of Book of Mormon for those who aren't It pokes fun at Mormonism, I think it's pretty obvious, but also it tells the story of two white missionaries um, who go to Uganda for their mission, right? And with the opening of the play, you see all these different sets of missionaries being sent to different places in the world, and the mere mention of Uganda as their, you know, destination is a punchline to the audience. And what is really unsettling to me about the play comes not only mainly from the play, but also the demographic that it serves because the entire audience, like almost the entire audience was white, which I think is important when you consider some of the jokes and, and the plot line that was incorporated into the actual play. So basically, these two missionaries, they go to Uganda, and the first scene you see in Africa, there's, it's like huts and somebody's dragging uh antelope carcass across the stage and it's just like it feels like almost immediately it feels like the writers are calling africa primitive without actually having to use the word um it should be noted too that the writers were the same writers of south park so if anybody's familiar with the humor in south park i'm sure you can kind of infer what it was like
0: like very provocative yeah very yeah. provocative very out but there i think
1: that like it doesn't have to necessarily, like, there's a difference between irreverence and using offensive content for shock value alone, right? in my opinion, because it just, it landed really poorly to me. I just felt like a lot of it made caricatures of the Black individuals, of the Africans, because that's what they kept calling them. It wasn't Ugandans, it was the Africans, which is another unusual thing to me, just, I think, because of how much of a mentality there is here in the United States where people view Africa as, like, one country. Right, it's, like, this
0: homogenous like thing with, like, right. one culture that people, like, just assume that it's just, yeah, Like this when one reality, giant
1: thing. It's, like, there's so many cultures and a variety of, like, socioeconomic, you know, statuses, and like, I was talking today, this is just an interesting anecdote that's on my mind, because I had this conversation, like, 20 minutes ago, but I was talking to a friend of mine today, whose dad is from Ghana, and she was like, yeah, he speaks, like, 40 different languages. And that's normal <laughs> in okay. that area of the world well, because there are so like, many different dialects.
0: Yeah, and it's also, I mean, we think, I mean, you know, I think that there's, like, the joke that, like, America doesn't really have a lot of culture because it's kind of like a melting pot again of, like, everything. But also, like, we do very much distinguish between southern culture, between New England culture, between the West Coast, between all of that. And then it becomes so ironic to me that then we view a place like Africa that is so incredibly nuanced and diverse in culture and state, like, beyond something that I think a lot of people who are very, like, America-centric could ever even really fathom, that we view it as, like, one homogenous space. It's just... It feels so ironic. And it... I mean, as we'll get into, the irony of the show is very poignant.
1: Right. So, I think... As a critical, like, viewer, I can understand the satire that they were aiming for with the musical, right? There's, it's it's kind of an intentional exaggeration of the white missionaries' perspective of the, like, Ugandans, right? Because it's supposed to convey the absurdity of this idea of, like, let us go to a third world country or a space that's suffering. And if we just go and we try and, like, enforce our Mormonism then we can fix their problems for them it, it's you know i can understand it as a mockery of white saviorship right but i think that at what point does it become no longer satire if the writers are white and the entire audience is white and many of the jokes are at the expense of issues that have already been you know i, I even mocked and demonized and you know it's it comes down to virginia and i were talking about this before we started recording but just the there's so much more humor in punching up than there is in punching down because why do you need to kick a demographic that's already been so relentlessly made fun of and generalized and like looked down upon right so it just like for example there are so many jokes about aids like, one after the other after the other, and about, like, the dirtiness of the land and the people. And in the original versions of the play, I think they changed this, but reviews that I read up until 2019 were talking about this aspect of the play. But the main Black character, she's a woman, um, they never, like, refer to her by her name in the play, which I... this, This was kind of funny in the sense it's making fun of white people's inability to say ethnic names. But... It also is, like, I'll get back to that in a second, but basically there's a bit where she's, like, quote-unquote texting, and really she's just on a typewriter. And so then it becomes no longer really, like, satire if there's already a notion amongst a very white audience that maybe black people are dumb, as, or Africans are backwards and behind. No, exactly. And less educated as compared to the United States. And I think that it was really telling to look around the audience and watch these white people like laugh uproariously at jokes at the expense of Africa. And then I saw these two individuals in the audience who were black, the only two people I could see. And they were sitting in the balcony and they were not laughing at all. (laughs) Like it was not funny to them. Which I understood because I I sat through most of the play with a horrible pit in my stomach, you know, that I couldn't really verbalize in the moment, but it just felt really wrong. Mm -hmm. And So I understand from a satirical perspective, the fact that, oh, of course, these privileged white missionaries see black people or the Africans in this situation as caricatures and people in in need of help. And so I can understand that that's supposed to be like an ironic thing. However, when there's already a caricature that exists, exists in our world and historically in our world of this you know, group of people, then all it really does is serve to facilitate and reinforce those caricatures instead of having a poignancy that conveys to the audience the actual, like, absurdity of them being caricatures. No,
0: absolutely. And it was, like, what we were talking about, and I know that you mentioned earlier, but, like, we were talking about when irony kind of fails and when satire kind of fails. And one, if the audience doesn't really have the context or knowledge to understand the irony, and it's, like, In a broad sense, I'm sure that they understood that a lot of it was meant to be satirical. But ultimately, a lot of, like, the more nuanced and more just, like, frayed jokes, I don't think someone would understand. And I think that that almost makes it more isolating. And, I mean, I can only guess how people of color felt who were in the audience. Like, I would guess that in that sense that a lot of people... You could tell that some people didn't get that those more on the fray jokes were satirical. I would imagine that that feels just even more isolating and even more like worrisome. But also, I mean, when when we were talking about kind of like what's a good joke, it's really lazy writing, but also just really not entertaining when you do punch down to a group that is already so oppressed and already so, like you said, like there's a caricature of Africa in general in America but especially like the culture of people of color in general and I think that it's really interesting like we were talking about when you see all these white people laugh and it makes me think about kind of like this it's the only time that I feel like they feel like they can be somewhat validated in their internalized racism and it'd be okay because it's like oh well like it's either one I think that okay well we're not as bad as this we're not as crazy as this or it's like these little nods towards the sort of stereotype and caricature that we have um and it makes them feel like a little bit more comfortable in the way that they have those stereotypes ingrained in them and I think that it's just and of course I think that there is a broader conversation of like ultimately like it's not the first thought that you have when you see something it's often the second thought because a lot of times the first thought is kind of based in the stereotypes that we gain from news or media or just society in general and that like if you can contextualize that in a broader sense of like morality and ethics and equality that that's kind of like what really matters but I do think that it's just kind of disconcerting and a little bit dystopian to have gone through what you went through and just like see kind of like the contrast in the audience and also like just I think that it's very odd that it was a white writer and a white audience, and it, I just—it seems like something that would have been talked about a lot more. I know that we talked about this, and you'll probably get into it, but the reviews don't really harp on this. Like, it's not something that you can really find that easily. Is someone talking about oh, like the issues with the Book of Mormon? It's something that's kind of a bit more, swept under the rug, and it seems just so stark in contrast to the way that we talk about things online normally especially when it comes to racism nowadays um so yeah you can go ahead and talk about that too but I just think that's so interesting and like I don't know just fascinating that like somehow this has kind of made it through and I don't know if it is because of art like we've talked about comedians and things like that and how oftentimes like comedy and satire can kind of go a little less observed but I don't know I just want to hear your thoughts on it
1: Right, well, um, I totally agree with what you're, oh, sorry, some dogs just got into a fight right behind me, um, (laughs) I totally agree with what you're saying about the audience kind of using it as an excuse to laugh at something that's normally unexcusable, um, like, I talked to my professor, her name is Yasmin Chisholm, for anybody who might want to look her up, she's fantastic, she has, she's done, like, women's studies, race studies, um, And also, like, performance studies. So I asked her about it. I was like, this is the perfect kind of person who's educated on these topics, right? So I asked her about it. She was like, yeah, I have seen it. And I was, because I asked her, you know, because I looked up reviews, like you said, and very few of them, even from major, more left-leaning newspapers or outlets, um, very few of them actually mentioned the stuff that gave me that really bad feeling, And so I went and I talked to her, I was like, am I just stupid? Like, is this going over my head? Is this a kind of humor and satire that I haven't been able to grasp? Because I'm just like, was everyone else in the audience getting something that I didn't get? And she was like, no. And she reiterated the same feeling. She said, like, those shows are oftentimes, or that show, the feeling that she got was that it was an excuse for white liberal people to laugh at the expense of black people without having to feel guilty about it. Right, exactly. And I was like, "Yeah, that's that feels true." And so, um, wait, can you say the, the question one more time? I'm just scared of <laughs> I'm losing my way. Oh no!
0: I it was more just kind of like your thoughts on all of it, and just kind of like the one like the lack of reviews, but also just like everything, and kind of like the weird menstrual show vibe of the
1: yes, entire show. There was definitely a portion of it that I don't know. It reminded me as well as um, there's there's an artist named Betty Sar. Yeah. And she, one of her most prominent artworks makes fun of, or makes fun of, but incorporates the Aunt Jemima, like, syrup bottle person and the Mammy doll stereotype. And there were just pieces of it that I kept seeing that artwork in my mind. Like, I was like, this is what I'm seeing right now on stage. It just felt minstrel Mm show-esque disguised as modern-day satire. Like, there's a certain portion of the play, for example, where the African people are reenacting um, a false version of the Book of Mormon, right? And all of the black men are wearing like fake, you know, like strap-ons basically and humping in the air and all of that. And it just like, it made me feel so uncomfortable when I know there's already such an existing over-sexualization and fetishization of that group of people. Right. Um, and so when I looked at the reviews, I was definitely surprised at the fact that nobody had thought about it because I thought if you look at this kind of thing with any kind of critical awareness, you would maybe question those kinds of elements in the, in the performance. And I think it just is indicative of a larger problem in our society that yes. over in the last few years even, there's been so much of a shift in how we view racial representation in media. And it was a reminder to me of how prevalent so many of those ideas still are. Like a lot of the people who are older than us had decades and decades of content that, you know, reinforced stereotypes much more damaging than that. And sometimes I think I forget that since we're all living in the same era, right. that even just a few years ago, all of, a lot of those like concepts were more adopted by the general society and even more progressive parts of society.
0: Well, and that's what's interesting to me, too. And again, like, we were talking about, like, it kind of... Part of me feels like maybe they felt like it wasn't something that they had to look at as critically, again. Because I think that a lot of things, like, if you call them satire... And so, like, the Book of Mormon, like, labels itself as, like, a satire, obviously. And there definitely are some parts that are clearly satirical. But again, like we were talking about, like, if... It's feeding into stereotypes and it's punching down. And there's some things that the audience may not be fully understanding as satire or it can be, like, reaffirming just certain caricatures. And it doesn't feel... Well, it's
1: just, like, looking around, I was like, you guys aren't sitting here thinking deeply about every joke well, and laughing exactly. about Well, it's it, like... also,
0: like, because it's, like, satire, like, yes, there's, like, an aspect of humor, but humor and, like, how outrageous things are. But when the way that so many people in America... St- like already have these outrageous caricatures it's like it's not as outrageous as it just it's a weird thing to be trying to satirize especially as a white person writing it like I just don't know what could be and I don't know it's just it strikes me a lot that like I think that the lens of satire was used to kind of make this something that was almost bulletproof in the sense that they were like, well, if we call it satire, it can't really be as critically criticized because then you're just not getting the joke. The joke's going over your head. Like, you know, it's just something like that. And so I think that that can just be kind of, I don't know. It just bothers me a lot um, in that sense. And I think that the like the lens of like satire can be misused a lot of times, but like this is definitely one of the most stark examples. And I don't know. It's just uh, since we've had like the initial conversation that kind of sparked this, it's really been like resonating with me just how much I think that that can happen and it's like you know there was a lot of backlash over like Dave Chappelle's comedy special when he was like this is comedy like you don't get it I'm not I don't actually have anything against people that are transgender it's just comedy and if you don't get it then you just like have a stick up your ass or like the jokes going over your head but it's like I don't know at what point do you really have to be like okay whatever I'm saying regardless still reinforces stereotypes and has like real consequential effects. And it's also like, it's just not giving anything that would add anything to the conversation that would, it's just nothing new. It's really just nothing new. I think it's just veiled racism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like, you can't just call everything comedy, especially if you're making fun of a group that you're not a part of. Right. Um, in the sense of like like it didn't necessarily have to like choose Uganda as the punching bag. No. Like there are many places in the United States exactly. that are impoverished or have many issues and it still could have made the exact same point while also kind of a critique of the life in the United States. Like
0: And it could have, have been actually like satirical.
1: Somewhere. Yeah. And it's like to just be, like, the first place you can think of that's having a hard time and is really suffering and behind and blah, 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 is Africa. In and of itself is kind of a a bad sign because you're just overlooking... There's so many communities in the United States that suffer. And so if you're trying to make the point about, look how ridiculous it is that these religious groups go to places that are, like, facing major difficulties and try to implement their religion there under the guise of, like, well, it'll... It'll save you, and that's why you're suffering now is because you're not being led by God. Like, there are other communities here that you could have focused on, and then it could have doubled as, you know, like I said, a criticism of the United States itself and And the institution of religion.
0: Yeah, and I think that, well, one, like, I can understand... I guess, like, the aspect that maybe they were trying to relate it to, like, colonialism and, like, really trying to try to, like, make that comparison of, like, just evangelicalism and colonialism. But I think that, again, I just don't think that would have been, like, that's, it just doesn't feel like it's doing anything to add to the conversation because I don't feel like it's really making itself as clear. Honestly, like we were talking about, when it comes to, like, places that they could have chosen, I think that they could have chosen almost like an affluent place in America and done something like that. And I think that that would have been not only more satirical because you're not punching down to an, like, already oppressed and character, well, I don't know how you would say that, like, caricaturized, I guess, group. Um, but you'd also, I think, with such a heavily white audience, because, I mean, still, like, thinking about, like, the history of Broadway in general, I mean, we still have so much racism in Broadway in general, which I think is, like, a larger conversation, like, a broader context to place it in. But I think it's, like, really odd. And also just because, like, most of people who attend Broadway shows tend to be affluent white people. Um, so it's if you're trying to go towards that audience and really, like, make an impact on satire, doing something that's more based on how, like, Like, the Book of Mormon could impact someone that looks and acts and has, like, a life that's like them. That would have a bigger impact than kind of reinforcing just stereotypes that already exist. And it reminds me a lot, too, because we were talking about, in my philosophy class, we were talking about, like, the formation of belief in general and how... um, kind of like basically Pierce, a philosopher, he he talks like a lot about inquiry and the way that we form belief is kind of like based in, like you have to have some external doubt that kind of like enters in, in order for you to like really fundamentally go into inquiry and change your belief. And in this case, I don't think that the inquiry would center at all around anything that related to like the caricatures that they made of Africa. I think that they're kind of just like reconfirming that. I think that like maybe you might succeed in sparking doubt in your perception of Mormonism and inquiry into like Mormonism and ultimately like a refixation of your belief about evangelicalism and Mormonism. But I think that it really just reinstates an idea of stereotypical ideas that we have about African culture, about black people in general, I would say in America as well
1: yeah no yeah 100% I think like I was thinking about the Ricky Gervais comedy special as well you. Right. did you see that no um well it's it's there's a lot in there that was kind of the same experience for me when I started watching it And I was like this feels like wrong but maybe I'm just being too, like too sensitive or it, maybe it's going over my head or whatever but like no, I think there were a lot of sentiments in there that were really, like, transphobic and, and gendered and old-fashioned. Like, I think the audience that really liked it was probably a group of people whose ideas I don't really agree with. Um, and, I don't know, I just... I'm sorry, I, I lost what I was saying. A no, There's no. a lot happening around me right now.
0: No, absolutely. But also, like, I wanted to ask you, like, at what point do you feel like that there can be, like, a change when, like, the audience who it's kind of, like, aimed towards is honestly eating it up? Like, how how do you then, like, change it when, you know, like, Ricky Gervais's audience honestly like, is made up of people who that is not, like, they're not really offended by or critical of that material like for them it's just like they would probably respond with oh you're being too sensitive oh xyz and so it's like ultimately how do like you change something that's like that when the people that are consuming it are fine with it because ultimately that means it's kind of like with cancel culture in the sense that like it's cancel culture is not dependent upon like the major society it's more dependent on like the people who consume their whatever they're making and so I think that that's like an interesting thing is like and I mean it can relate to politics too it's kind of like with QAnon conspiracies and things like that it's like ultimately they can be widely recognized and contextualized as like propaganda and like conspiracy theories but if the audience that it's made for is consuming them that aren't like it makes the art quote-unquote successful and so I think it's just it's a it's a damning thing that I think. This is obviously like a much less damaging scale than something like QAnon, but I think that it's still, I don't know, it really makes me kind of like question how you can get rid of something that maybe has like a harmful view or voices something that is harmful or reiterates something that's harmful in society already if the audience doesn't want you to get rid of it in the first place because I feel like that's also hard because like it's like censorship like you don't want to fully censor something but it's kind of like the, just the question right. of censorship like at what point should something not really be <laughs> promoted like that
1: yeah um I don't know it's that's definitely a difficult question because you don't want to censor people at all right um but I also think it's like it's it's art that per- perpetuates a narrative that already exists of course it feeds into like it's i guess oh god i even know how to say this (laughs) i don't know what's going on in my brain right now i'm sorry but um i think you're right in that there is an audience that really consumes that kind of um oh god really consumes that kind of media like there is an audience for it and and thus you know um no, but I think it's difficult, but really it's the audience that empowers the artwork, you know? Exactly, More yeah. than anything. It's not actually the art in and of itself. Like, the Book of Mormon wouldn't be still on Broadway if it wasn't so well-received. You know, Ricky Gervais, is, he does have an audience. And so it's like, where do you... If, if these people... It's art that kind of adds fuel to a little bit of a hateful, ignorant fire, but at the same time you don't want to ever cross into the territory of people shouldn't say this or that necessarily because then it becomes a dangerous tool, you know? And right. I remember in my, in our government class last year, like talking about how, you know, freedom of speech can be applied in school as long as it doesn't, quote, like disrupt learning environment. And what does that mean for different people? Right. Someone in the That's class like very that... The, like wearing a Confederate flag T-shirt, like shouldn't be allowed because that would disrupt the classroom. And you can say, yeah, yeah, maybe, but also, I, I don't agree with the Confederate. So you need to make that clear. However, I think if you were in a tiny ass town in Alabama, like maybe that wouldn't be disruptive, right? And instead, like a Black Lives Matter shirt would then be disruptive. So you can't just pick and choose because then it'll end up being turned around i think oftentimes on oppressed groups if you try and say well you should limit content or anything and or limit free speech in some way i feel like it always ends up going back to harm people whose voice needs to be heard the most right um and that is where you kind of enter a paradox of like the production of that kind of art or media and so really it. it ends up in the power of the hands of people who are executives at these media companies, and just in the hope that they will promote stuff with positive representation,
0: right? You know. But it's also I think that it can also be more scary. I mean, when you're talking about like the paradox of censorship, as in general, it's also scarier sometimes. Like, I think that it can feel less scary when you have something like that aired on Broadway because it's so out in the open, then if you have something like that, I mean, obviously, like, the Book of Mormon is not the root of all evil, but, like, when you have something like that maybe, like, aired on TV or in a comedy special or on Broadway, rather than aired in, like, private chat rooms that are, like, full of people, like, just, like, an echo chamber of, like, racism or of general hate speech, because I think that, like, when it's in those places there's no opportunity to criticize from, like, a different point of view because it is just an echo chamber. But at least when you have it out in the open, it's like, you know it's there. I mean, it's, like, why people have a fear of the dark. It's, like, you don't know what you don't know. And so it it is interesting, but I do agree that it's, like, to a certain extent, like, that's kind of on the people who are putting shows on Broadway, the people who are all of this. And it's, like, I, I don't blame necessarily like the people that are going to see it although like i do believe that your consumption is your responsibility it's like ultimately that is kind of like the people in power i mean we've talked about our little like rat for capitalism thing but it's like the people who are in it it's not really their fault it's really like the people who have the money like that that's who has the control and in some way that is the consumers but on a broader scheme that is like the people who are controlling like broadway production
1: yeah, no. I mean that's true, but I also think it's like, for example, with with me and my dad, like we well, just go see. I had no idea what I was supposed to see. Exactly. And because no one's gonna go out and be like, "Our musicals racist. Come see it," you know. <laughs> and the same thing happened with the Ricky Gervais thing, where I was like, "I want to watch it," going like knowing nothing about it, and I did, and I was so uncomfortable, and I didn't find any of it funny. And so it's just like, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely a tricky situation, but I feel like you know we have made progress in the last few years. Absolutely. In the sense that that there have been changes that have been made. I just think that it's very easy to forget with like with having had changes made. It's easy to forget that there is still such a large audience that consumes that kind of thing and kind of wants an excuse to have that kind of media. Um, and it's it's a little scary, but it's, I think, especially, too, as, as white people who have grown up in a kind of more liberal bubble, right. it's easy to forget how deeply ingrained so much racism is. Like, to look around and be like, wait, everyone still finds this funny is a little bit, like, I think, a signifier of my own ignorance to think to be surprised that everyone was so okay with this you know absolutely when i'm sure that some of my black peers would be like yeah well duh. and so in and of itself the fact that i didn't that that was such a strange moment for me is indicative of the privilege that i have
0: no i fully um, agree and that's why i also wanted to acknowledge like quickly before we like wrap this up as well that i think that we both fully recognize that we do have like a lot of privilege and that we can only kind of speak from our own understanding and experience when talking about this topic, and so I just I don't want anyone to think that we're trying to speak over the voices of Black people in this conversation because that's obviously not what we're trying to do. It's really just trying to like offer kind of a critical perspective on something that I think struck you personally in an interesting way, and so it's kind of just a, dis- a dissection of our own emotions and feelings surrounding this topic. It's not obviously the forefront opinion on topics of race and racism um we're kind of just trying to understand our own perceptions and look more critically at the things around us and learn more right
1: and i mean i think like obviously i can't we can't speak on a lot of stuff in regards to race but that doesn't mean we shouldn't speak about it at all because it's still such a relevant part of everybody's lives here and it would be I, I think akin to being like I don't see color if we just refuse to not you know address it or have the discussion surrounding it but like Virginia said it's like ultimately I have had the benefit of being white my entire life and so of course the experiences that I have will reflect that and I don't need to ever speak over people of color or people who have you know less privilege than I yeah um I think it's just meant to be more of a discussion about the topic in
0: yeah, absolutely. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope that it makes you think more critically about the media that you're consuming and we will try to be doing the same. Ali, would you like to say any last words? Um Yeah,
1: just read theory and think about the life that you're living. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>